Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. I have worked with them, and man, they are fantastic. Everywhere I turned, somebody was always willing to help. And what a great feeling that is. It really is. And I'm telling you something. It's an intimate car buying experience when you buy from them. So whether it's a luxury car, a foreign car, a domestic car, they're going to hook you up. They're going to get you the best price for sure. They also service all makes and models. They have great finance options as well. And they're also really great in the community. On Memorial Day, they're going to be having their customer appreciation day at both locations in Denver and Parker. And on June 4th, they're going to be doing something called 4x4 Colorado Rigs and Tacos. And it's appropriate that they're doing something called Rigs and Tacos because today is Cinco de Mayo, but it won't be Cinco de Mayo on June 4th. So what they're asking people to do on June 4th They're asking people to bring their lifted trucks, SUVs, other cool gear to this event. They're going to have a couple of food trucks, Hip Pops Denver, Cooking with Crown. They'll also be featuring some lifted trucks and SUVs. Go check them out in Denver or Parker. Go to rmurosport.com if you want to check out their inventory. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, Peyton Manning was asked about Russell Wilson's transition to Denver last night at the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame banquet. He believes that the new quarterback couldn't have walked into a better situation. Oh, I think he's uh, off to a fast start uh, in talking to him. Um, I do think it's an advantage uh, for Russell to be coming in with a new coaching staff because everybody's learning and Russell uh, is going to know this offense better than anybody, so he's going to be in the teaching mode as well. If you're a new player and you're catching up to everybody else in a leadership position, that can be difficult. So I think Russell's at a real advantage where they're learning Coach Hackett's offense together, figuring out what works and what doesn't work, and uh, I think he's going to be great, obviously, for our young receivers and, uh, like all Broncos fans, excited to see him get to work this fall. I want to thank Broncos TV for that sound. Interesting take. It's funny where everybody zigs. In this case, Manning zagged. Well, I, I wonder why he feels that way. Um, I wonder if there was some issue maybe that is beneath the surface that was there his first year as Broncos quarterback. Well, they got off to a slow start. They were remember? two and three, right? And then they won the next eleven, right? Um, so I don't necessarily think it it was a bad thing in the end. I think one thing that I think, uh, probably works against this is I would have liked the idea maybe if you had a coaching staff in terms of the coordinator and head coach with more experience in their roles than what you have right now. Like you've got a first-time head coach, you have, uh, and and Hackett has called plays, 
uh, but he hasn't called plays since uh, 2018 in Jacksonville. A first-time offensive coordinator, first-time defensive coordinator. I think uh, they're all going to grow together, but I think that means they're going to have growing pains together. Right. What do you make of, and I always find this interesting when he says this, when he talks about the Broncos, he says our. That's more identification with the Broncos than the Colts, although it was interesting because there was a story out of Indianapolis that said he still talks with Jim Ursay regularly, that Ursay consults with him. And that's good, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's Ursay that said, thank you, but no thank you, we're drafting Andrew Luck. And that type of stuff mm-hmm. might be forgiven, but it's not forgotten. Ask well, Russell Wilson. I mean, NC State ditched him. Ask John. Or Mike Glennon, and, and you know, he's not that he's not proud of going to NC State, but there's a reason why when he talks about where, he, where he's from college-wise, it's always Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Listen, I... I, I I'm guessing that John Elway and Peyton Manning get along, and they probably play 18 holes of golf together. But don't think for a minute that Peyton Manning has forgotten that Elway told him to take a $10 million pay cut. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure every time Manning does something that's positive, where he can kind of jab Elway a little bit, he'll say, oh, you wanted to give me a $10 million pay cut, didn't you? But look at my production company. I'll tell you. But what, then again, both guys are brilliant business. Guys. I'll tell you one thing to think about. Um, there continue to be rumors that either or both may be at some point investors in whoever in the Broncos, depending on whoever buys them. Right. Yep. Do you think one? You think Peyton would be okay if Elway was another investor? Like I would say, if Peyton, if he doesn't want to be on Elway's team. Yeah, and the other thing is, if they were, I would think Pate would want to have a bigger share than Elway. Like if he said, if he said, well, yep. Elway's in for two percent, I'm going for four. Right. By the way, uh, just for fun, I put out on Twitter because I'm thinking about Manning and his popularity, and I think a lot of people in town would absolutely love it if he was part of an ownership group. Mm-hmm. I can't think of too many other Broncos, former Broncos that fans would say, I want to be more part of an ownership group than Peyton Manning. So I put out on Twitter today, who's your favorite Broncos player of all time? Mm-hmm. And I got too many, so many responses, I stopped counting on this. Let's just say, off the top of my head, I could probably tell you, actually, um, on how many responses there were. There were probably, what we want, you want the actual... Uh, Number actually. Just give me a ballpark. It was about seventy-five people okay. responded. How many people said Manning? What percentage? Well, I'm gonna guess probably eighty and ninety percent. And the reason why is this: back in January, and it was a specific to ownership. I asked on Twitter mm-hmm. poll that two thousand plus people voted in. Mm-hmm. Would you prefer a group with Manning, a group with Elway, or a group with neither? Right. Five percent chose neither. Eight percent chose Elway. Eighty-seven percent chose Manning. But that wasn't the question. The question was: right. it's, it's, Who's it's, it's your not favorite exactly Bronco of all it's time? It's not exactly the same, but I think uh, I think. Maybe, Want me to tell you why it's not the same? Well, it's generational. I think I think the modern generation, the current generation, likes uh, Peyton better because he's their guy. I think the older generation likes Elway. Of seventy-five responses, yeah, one person said Manning and I kept an eye out for it Mm -hmm. 
one person as their favorite as their favorite Bronco of all time. One person. Floyd Little got a bunch. Mm-hmm. Steve Atwater got quite a few. Terrell Davis got a few. Same with the overwhelming majority was John Elway, and it wasn't even close. It was a landslide for John Elway. I was quite surprised that man. I thought a lot more people would have said Manning. Well, there's there's a, a, a there's a portion of the fans that say if you're not a Bronco for X amount of years, you're not a real Bronco. I I, I mean I hate that sort of gatekeeping. I think that's crap. Um, but a lot of fans have that. Right. Um. That being said, it's it, it it's very interesting that I, that most people, if you asked who they want involved with the team, they'd rather have Manning involved than There's Elway. No question. Because, but the I know because, I agree because John, I think John Elway, in terms of being involved with the Broncos, I think he lost some of the trust as general manager. I mean, when there was a video the Broncos put out uh, not long ago, and you could see it was the George Payton in the draft room, and John Elway was right there, two seat, you know, two empty seats down from him, right from George Payton. And there are some that say, well, great. But then there are a lot of people like, well, why is he still in there? Steve Sewell got as many votes as Peyton Manning. Okay. Same with Vance Johnson. Vance Johnson got two votes. Al Wilson got one. Peyton Manning. Rod Smith got a couple. I mean, I, mm-hmm. there's Ed McCaffrey. I'm, looking, I'm just looking at my timeline. Craig Morton and Aaron Kyle got one. Aaron Kyle? Aaron Kyle. Good grief. Right. One person said... When did you ask this, by the way? This morning. And I was going to say... And I said it was going to be a question. I was thinking about doing it as a question for the show, Mm -hmm. but I knew we were going to talk about it in this segment. I wasn't sure if we'd get to it, but we did get to it. So I I, Mm. I just just put it out randomly. The question was, who's your favorite Bronco player of all time? I mean, there are some... that Gary Kubiak. Somebody said Gary Kubiak, but it had to do with... Well, the person who said Aaron Kyle also named Craig Morton and John Elway. There you go. Here. This was the order this guy Larry gave. Elway, Atwater, Von Miller, Champ Bailey, Terrell Davis, Rod Smith, Peyton Manning, Demarius Thomas. And there were a lot of Floyd Little. Someone also said Chad Kelly. Well, I know clearly that. Someone also said John Huffnagel. Well, I don't. I don't think somebody joked and said Ed McCaffrey just went into the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't think that was the. Year. But there was only somebody said Lyle Alzado, Gratishar, Mecklenburg. We know those aren't jokes. And then this person, if did somebody say, said, if somebody yeah, said Ashley, someone Lally, said Al, Alzado Gratishar, then into high school Elway until I met him later in life. Right. Expletive deleted. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk Avalanche hockey, getting ready for Game Two against the Nashville Predators. We're going to bring in a guy who I've known for 25 years. We both worked in Buffalo together. He was the play-by-play voice of the Sabres. He's now the play-by-play voice of the Nashville Predators. Pete Weber will join us next. Oh, yeah. Life goes on long after the thrill of Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. 
Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us at MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. They have it all, and they especially always have great stuff going on when the Avalanche play. They're playing tonight. 7.30 is the faceoff at Ball Arena, and they are featuring two-for-one pitchers of Stella Beer. Every seat is going to be a great seat to watch the Avs tonight. And during intermission, if you like to play pool, there isn't one or two pool tables to choose from. They have a pool hall of 15 tables. Plus, they have the best happy hour in Lakewood, and they are right smack dab in the middle of it. Right now, three until seven every day, two for one, wine, well, and drafts. Again, every day, three until seven o'clock. Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood, I'm telling you, has something for everyone. Go there for tonight's Avs game. Enjoy the happy hour right now and two-for-one pitchers of Stella. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmeurosport.com. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in a guy that I've known for 25 years when I was a uh, sports anchor at WKBW in Buffalo. Uh, one of the main voices of the Buffalo Sabres was Pete Weber, and he was so good on the call. And then the Nashville Predators, in their inaugural season, snagged him from Buffalo to a kind of a decent town in Nashville, which now is an amazing town to go to if you like to honky-tonk. And it is easily, all due respect, Avalanche fans, one of the best hockey towns in America. Pete, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, Eric, and thank you for that introduction. Now, please tell me, how much do I owe you, or are you just going to send your request? Well, no, you sent me the email of what to read. I would request you do better with your punctuation and your grammar, but I was able to ad-lib through it. Very good. Very good. Thank you. All right, so we all know what happened in game one. I'm guessing it's a game the Predators would like to completely forget. So what do they need to do differently tonight? Yeah, they have to be Dennis Eckersley for game two of the 1988 World <laughs> Series. And, and forget about uh, Kirk Gibson and what he did, even though Jack Buck didn't believe what he had just seen. But uh, it, it would help if you could have that sort of memory of that of a closer, uh, a big-time closer at the major league level. Uh, but the other thing they have to do is just avoid the start like they had on Tuesday night. I mean, that was absolutely abysmal. And you think about, you know, two goals and 220 to get the game started. That's not the best way to, uh, you can't even say ease your way into the playoffs. Starting Connor Ingram tonight, of course, who, uh, who came in in relief. Uh, what do you expect from him in this game? Well, I think he's going to be nice and stable. He's coming off a 31 season in the American Hockey League. So I think he'll, uh, and he's a very calm guy. David Riddick the other night, that was his first ever Stanley Cup playoff start. And you never know what to expect in those circumstances. And I'm not putting all the blame on, uh, on Riddick at all for that game. It was a really, a truly a team effort <laughs> and a team effort in the most negative of senses. Okay, so is it as simple as Nashville has to forecheck better? Uh, coaches want to make it that simple. I want to make it that simple. I think that that is what took them 
to their victories this season. And, uh, yeah, they just barely got into the playoffs, as it turned out. But the four-check game is what has been really a hallmark ever since John Hines came in and took over and sort of uh, polished what Peter LaViolette had left and get the four-check going for the Preds. Do you fit? Did you sense when, when after that start, did you feel like uh, the Predators, even though it's a team that's got a fair amount of playoff experience, even though the runs haven't been deep the last few years, did they? Did you get a sense that they kind of got down on themselves after that or after those two quick goals? I well, that might have been the immediate response, but I didn't feel they were that way. Uh, talking with them after the game and throughout the day yesterday and earlier today. Uh, you know, and, and Eric knows what I lived through uh, in Buffalo. Uh, there was a certain game against the Houston Oilers back in 1993, <laughs> where they where they fell down in that game 35 to three, and then came back and won 41 38 in overtime. So uh, I'm not one of those that thinks that you should permanently be down after you know a bad start, and that <laughs> that bad start was one that uh, the Bills were able to recover from because they. We're able to put things together again beginning in the third quarter. We are talking with Pete Weber, longtime voice of the Nashville Predators. He was their inaugural voice in their first season. Uh, I don't know if you know the name Brian. But I didn't get invited to the inaugural ball. You know, that was that was the bad thing. How, how did that go for you? I didn't I didn't get a chance to get invited to it. I, I have no idea, you know. Yeah. I'm, that's where I feel really neglected. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been blessed to have a lot of friends who are play by play guys. And one of them, yep. his name is Brian Davis. And every time he used to come yeah. on the show, you know Brian? Yeah, we were, matter of fact, we were both involved in the uh, wedding ceremony of Pete Pranica of the Memphis Grizzlies. Wow. Uh, several years ago. Huh. And, and here's, uh, we were talking about weddings earlier today, and I'm not going to take any personal news out of this, Eric, but uh, <laughs> this, this was a, uh, we had just had a game the night before here. And I, Flew back overnight. I got at my home in Nashville at 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning, and I had to be at a Saturday afternoon wedding in Memphis. Mm -hmm. And that's a three-hour drive in and of itself. Right. So my wife was all excited to go over. We jumped in my Jeep, drove over. Lo and behold, I was so tired, I didn't bring my wedding attire with me. What I had was uh, flip-flops, T-shirt, cargo shorts, and that was it. So we drove quickly to Lansky's, who used to uh, and did uh, clothe Elvis Presley back in the day right. in the hotel there. And for less than $930, I was fully right. retired for that wedding in less than 25 minutes. Well, like, so, El- uh, well, like Elvis, did you show up all drugged out and drunk? Well, and I had peanut butter and banana sandwiches. <laughs> right, right. By the way, my understanding is peanut butter and banana sandwiches started here in Denver. I heard that as well. Yep. And I wonder if Elvis picked up on that while on tour here. He might have. So I want to get back to Brian. And by the way, my relationship with yeah, Brian sorry. is I interned for him when I was in college. That's how okay. deep our relationship goes anyway. So yeah. he was doing the he was the play-by-play voice of the Oklahoma City Thunder. We used to have him on the show. Right. And I would ask him questions. And he, he has such a great sense of humor. And when I would ask him a question that was kind of pushing the line, he would say to me on the air because of our relationship, he would say, Eric, you know, I drink the Kool-Aid, right? Yeah. So, he, yeah. you know, yeah. he can only answer it a certain way. With that, Pete, I know you drink the Kool-Aid, but with that, how much of a chance do you think the Predators truly have in this series? 
I can tell you much better after this game tonight to see how they respond. Right. But I think they still have a decent chance uh, prior to the playing of game number two of the series. Uh, if they don't perform well, it could be very short. It's often, it's often a, uh, a wild atmosphere uh, at Predators playoff games over the years. So looking past game two, what can the Avs expect walking in Nashville for game three? Saturday afternoon is going to be very, very loud without any question. Uh, there will be Section 303 is sort of like the ringleader of the fans. They are the ones who do the – I can't compare it to anything else other than Japanese baseball fan chants, that they all have cards. They all know to respond to which number when, and uh, it takes over much of the arena. So it's going to be loud uh, if the abs play well, as they did in, in game number one, they could quiet them. But that's going to, I think, be a very, very difficult thing to do. So the atmosphere is going to be critical for the Predators Saturday, not to mention how they handle the atmosphere here tonight in game number two. Kind of like maybe the dog pound in Cleveland when the old Browns were there. Maybe (laughs) like the South stands here in Denver where the Broncos play. Similar? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. And, you know, I did baseball for many, many years with the old Denver Zephyrs and the Buffalo Bisons. And, uh, I had one of the most memorable baseball games I ever called, and I called over 2,500 of them uh, right here in this city. Pete, by the way, speaking of the Buffalo Bison, you and I are going on the Wayback Machine, <laughs> okay? And yep. Dan O'Dowd used to be the general yep. manager here, right? And I and I and keep, he was in I, of our farm system. And yeah. I say to people all the time, and people get on Dan O'Dowd, and I understand he wasn't a very likable guy when he was here, and he and I had a wonderful relationship. People don't understand what an eye for talent this guy had. Because when I was there yeah, between 94 and 96, if I'm not mistaken, and Mace, you're a big baseball fan, mm-hmm. I believe their lineup featured Herbert Perry, Casey Candell, Brian Giles, and there's one other big guy I am missing who was a stud. Um, Because it might have been a little bit early yet for Alex Ramirez, who came on and did so very, very well. That's right. But yeah. Jeremy Burnitz. Burnitz. Jeremy Burnitz, yes. And Giles were corner outfielders. Yeah. And Burnitz, what an arm. What an arm he had aside from being a good clutch hitter. And if Herbert Perry wasn't so injury-prone, he would have been a great Major League Baseball player. Yes, and and still he was the guy who handed the ball off to Emmett Smith in college football. That's unbelievable. I want to go way back with you to 1998, because I visited you in the press box during the inaugural season. I went with my cousin, who still has season tickets and lives in Nashville, to the Predators. And I was blown away back then, knowing what I know now about what kind of hockey town Nashville is, and you could probably explain it better to me. Up on the Jumbotron, it would say icing, and then they would literally give a definition. Offsides. Right. Literally give it, and I was laughing, thinking, do these people truly know nothing? But you were basically armed with educating these fans, weren't you? Yeah, Terry Crisp and I held Hockey 101 classes in what was, uh, there was a theater in the Arena Tower. Right. which is now occupied by Sirius XM Radio. But we did that for three years at least. We also had rental uh, radios for the arena where we had Hockey 101 Radio, where we had a guy that would sit upstairs, and if people had this radio, would have our play-by-play. But if something of interest came up, he would then explain to them what had just happened. And, and that, I think, really helped to accelerate uh, the knowledge base of the fans. There it had... 
been uh, minor league hockey in Nashville going back to 1962, the old Dixie Flyers team. Then they had uh, the South Stars, the Minnesota North Stars Central mm-hmm. Hockey League Farm Club, and after that, the Nashville Knights in the ECHL. So they had had about 50-plus years of minor league hockey. But let's just say they played in a small building, Municipal Auditorium, where the CMA Awards or CMT Awards were just broadcast from, and uh, it didn't grab the people like this has. By the way, I loved living in Buffalo. I I don't know how much you love living in Buffalo. but Absolutely tremendous. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I I stick up for that city all the time. But living in Nashville has got to be awesome. It is, but i got to tell you what, I'm a part of a group. Is part of the Nashville Bills backers. We're 150 people right. are out there on Sundays. Wait, you're hashtag Bills Mafia? Is that who you are? Yep. Is that you? Yep. <laughs> I'm one of them. By the way, somebody said something to me, and this is a little Nashville trivia. Did Am I correct that the city was built on limestone and there are no basements in the metro area because of that? Well, if you hear the song that is the anthem of University of Tennessee, Rocky Top. Yep. Yes, that pretty well tells the story. I remember even my wife and I trying to dig a little bit of a hole to plant a tree in our early years there at our house, and uh, it wasn't long before we hit the rock. I mean, i got to <laughs> tell you, it was it, all of a sudden there was this jolt going through your body from the shovel hitting rock. Pete, I say this because I love you, so please take this the right way. I hope you, have, I hope you enjoy being in Denver for another night. And I hope not to see you again until next season. I understand because yeah. you have Kool Aid as well. No, I don't. We're not. We're not part of the broadcast team. But I want him to win. I definitely want him to win. And by the way, next time I'm in Nashville, let's let's grab lunch. Let's go grab something to drink for sure. Okay. Well, let's have lunch at uh, Pete and Terry's bar, which is part of the uh, Bridgestone Arena. Are you serious? You have your own bar? And- yeah, Terry, Chris, and myself are in there, and you can even see. Uh, in one of the uh, trophy cases there is my old Buffalo Sabres TV blazer. Well, are you, how much are you going to charge me for chicken fingers? N- nothing. How about fireball shots? I get a pretty good deal in there. Fireball shots? <laughs> fireball shots. <laughs> that might be a little bit additional. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Pete, have a good call tonight for the Predators. Thanks so much for your time. Eric, thank you. I appreciate you asking me. Take care. See you, man. The great Pete Weber coming up after the break and not the bowler, the broadcaster. Um, Russell Wilson, jersey sales. He's a Bronco now. Where is he? On the list. We'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale for your next project this summer, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. 
presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, for the 12 months ending in February 28th of this year, Russell Wilson ranked 26th in the NFL in player-branded merchandise, most prominently, obviously, jerseys sold. According to the data published by the NFLPA, Tom Brady, number one, no Broncos in the top 50, with Wilson at 26 in Seattle. Where do you think he will be next year? No lower than third. I could buy that. Uh, and maybe even first. You have a rabid fan base. There are no rookies, by the way. You're right. dying to run out that, by their And that's jerseys. the thing. There's no rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. Um. But even then, it was interesting. I think Zach Wilson checked in at 50th of the Jets. Wow. And Trevor Lawrence checked in at 26th. Right. Jets, I was surprised. Jaguars is a small fan base. Broncos, big fan base. New quarterback coming in, someone who's already proven. Generally speaking, you don't you have a pretty good idea that a Russell Wilson jersey isn't going to go out of style anytime soon. I understand. I, I, th- I think he'll probably at lowest third, and I think he'll end up being number one. This is where where people. I don't want to say they don't get it. I, I think a lot of Broncos fans, Broncos fans, Broncos fans understand it, but casual Broncos fans don't. I understand the population of Montana isn't that much. I think they only have one representative in Congress. Okay. Wyoming doesn't have a high you know, population of people. Idaho, South Dakota, North Dakota, Western Kansas, New Mexico. The point I'm making is while the populations are not dense, that is Broncos country. Mm-hmm. The Broncos are a regional team that's probably about six or seven states. And while the population isn't high, those are the games that they get on their televisions. When I worked in Whitefish, Montana, in my first job from 1990 to 1992, we got the Broncos. Yeah. That's who we watched. Right. And so for all of these states, they will be buying Russell Wilson gear more than just Denver. I could see top three. I, I wouldn't argue top just, one either. There's just a lot of Bronco fans around the country, too. Now... It's what's interesting is that for a lot of those Bronco fans around the country, some of them have never lived in Denver. But uh, gravitate. Some of them have never been to Denver, right? But grab. But uh, a lot of fans, like with teams, were created during the '80s. Like Miami's been terrible. The Dolphins have been terrible for a long time, right? Yep. There are still a lot of Dolphin fans all over the country. Why Dan Marino? Forty Nine er fans. Joe Montana. Well, well, think of, well, well, I'll tell you why. And then, the, and then the decade before, still a lot of Steeler fans who've never been to Pittsburgh. And it's generational now. Back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, <clears throat> generally speaking, and this is, I'm painting this with a broad stroke mm-hmm. to tell me if I'm overstepping my bounds here. Okay. Probably back in the 60s and 70s, generally speaking, where you grew up, you stayed. You didn't move. Mm-hmm. But now we have a generation and a generation before us where a lot more women are working, yeah, obviously, so they're willing to move for another job. I was certainly willing to move. My sister was willing to move. And I say this about local television, and it's very similar to NFL teams and fandom. 
I ask somebody, what news station do you watch in town? And let's say they say Nine News. Mm-hmm. And I say, why do you watch Nine News? And they say, I don't know. You know what I say back to them? What? Say, What'd your parents watch? They watch Nine News. I said, that's the reason why you watch Nine News. Okay? So it's the same thing with fans going all over the country. Mm-hmm. Your parents grew up Broncos fans. And you became Broncos fans. And you might be living in L.A., you might be living in Coeur d'Alene. You might be living in Maine. But you take that with you. You take that with you. That travels in your bag, your fandom. And you and as you continue moving, you don't have to change teams. Like people who leave Denver that grew up cheering for the Broncos, if you end up having to live in Portland, Oregon, why would you give up being a Bronco fan? But, but there's something else to consider, too. Because you can watch the games... On direct TV, or I mean, probably in a year from now, people are just going to be dialing up. It looks like Apple TV yep. to watch their. F- so, the by the and what that also means is the phenomenon of having a lot of fans for the road team at every Bronco home game. That's only going to get stronger because the people who move to Denver aren't adopting okay. the Broncos. So I'll tell you about a good friend of mine, Paul. My buddy Paul grew up in Montana. He grew up a huge Chargers fan. Huge Chargers fan. He lives in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He's been living in Kansas City for 25 years. But he remained a Chargers fan. Yeah. You know why he dumped the Chargers? Because they, they left San Diego. No. Nope. He, he, he ditched the Chargers before they left San Diego. Why did he ditch them? Because the Chargers couldn't make the playoffs consistently enough and win enough. So my point, so he said, mm-hmm. I'm gone. Yeah. I, I might as well root with my friends. My point is, if you grew up in 1970, your first taste of Broncos football was the 77 Super Bowl, 78 Super Bowl, mm-hmm. excuse me. So you were eight years old. After that, how many down years were there with Elway? Very few. They were making the playoffs almost every single year. Not every year. Almost. They were when always- they were down, they bounced back quickly. Like they go, they went five and eleven in nineteen ninety. They went twelve and four in ninety one. And that's my they point. Stay down. So from nineteen seventy up through two thousand and fifteen, how many times did the Broncos miss the playoffs? Not a lot. No. So you always had hope. There wasn't this long spell of your team is so bad. Maybe I'll switch. The Broncos have been able to keep their fans because they've been consistently a playoff team. Of course, the last six years have not been very pleasant. You know, the interesting thing is getting Russell Wilson. It's probably just in time because one thing that has sort of been evident, at least among the younger generation, kids that do watch and are aware, fair to say the Broncos were losing their grip on some of those younger kids because they were struggling. If you struggle for a while, you lose a generation. I can tell you growing up in the Tampa Bay area, there there were not many Bucks fans in the schools I went to. Right. Because they were down like there there were there were probably more Dolphin fans and Cowboy fans and San Francisco fans than Buccaneer fans. That's what a long stretch of losing right. will do. But uh-huh. the Broncos, their longest stretch of losing yeah. is recent. And now they have Russell Wilson. So maybe Stopped you can it grab maybe just in time. Maybe you can grab them back. Yeah. Because a six year span, let's be honest, the day you're born to the day you're six, you're not remembering right. anything anyway. But if you were born if you were a kid that was born in, say, 
2013 or 2010, right? Right. So you're six years old. Yeah. Right? You, you, they win the Super Bowl when you're five turning six. You're 11. You really have nothing to cheer. Right. At that, but you've, I mean, if you're an 11 year old kid, there's living in the in the Denver area. There's almost as much of a chance that you're a Chiefs fan. Here's here's a here's the analogy of the day. For me, and you, know, I love my analogy. I know. Adding Russell Wilson shut off the fire hose that was bleeding fans potentially leaving. Just, I mean, it was one turn of the crank and boom, it was off. Because now, what do we have? We're talking Super Bowl here. We're talking definitely playoffs. What do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Baker Mayfield reportedly almost traded on draft night. And uh, how young is too young to be running a marathon? Uh, the age of this marathon finisher in Cincinnati might surprise you. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. 21st yesterday. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Baker Mayfield still in limbo after reportedly almost being traded to the Panthers during the NFL draft. But neither side, Carolina nor Cleveland, wanted to pay the majority of Baker's nearly $19 million salary in the upcoming season. What team will Baker Mayfield take his next snaps for? <laughs> well, remember, <clears throat> remember, he is going to probably be released, and then these teams are not on the hook for that money. So Seattle, Carolina, it's not going to be Pittsburgh. I mean, I think the the interesting thing then, if they release him, it becomes wide open, and uh, and that's where like a, kind of a sleeper team to keep your eye on is Tampa Bay, uh, which would basically probably structure a contract for Mayfield that would be very backloaded and would say, when Tom Brady moves on, you are the starter. And uh, certainly, I think if if they cut him, you'll see teams that kind of look on the on the horizon. A year and and maybe may say okay well uh, let's uh, let's get this guy in I mean I, I wonder if even a team like uh well, like Indianapolis with Matt Ryan going into year fifteen uh, might kick the tires on Baker Mayfield if he is you see the story today that, that some close to Baker Mayfield feel he was sabotaged by not giving him enough protection 
I believe, with a rookie right tackle. Did you read that today? A lot no, of I, pe- didn't, I didn't see that. A lot of people close to him believe that was the case, that they wanted to make him look bad, so they didn't protect him, and then they would have a reason to get rid of him. Last I mean, year, it's a little, going with the right tackle. Yeah, it's a yes. little conspiracy theory-ish, and I get it. But that's the report that has been out there. I mean, certainly there were no favors done. And then um, he ultimately, and this is why, I mean, sort of the instructive lesson here is that if you're not healthy, don't play. Because he did hurt himself by going out there when he was injured. Not merely hurt, he was playing injured. And I don't know if we'd be having this discussion about Baker Mayfield right now, not uh, not having a starting gig lined up, if he had, uh, if if he had sat down and uh, and given himself time to recover, but he, you know, there are a lot of things you can say about Baker Mayfield, but the, to say that he's not tough, to say that he doesn't want to be there for his teammates, these are things that are totally false. And by Unfortunately, the way, he played he played poorly when he was injured, but uh, you know, I, it, it's 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 actually you look and say. It's kind of crazy that he is not starting anywhere because he's probably maybe not he's maybe not one of the ten best starting quarterbacks. But he's one of the twenty best starting quarterbacks in football. He's won in the playoffs. He's played well in the playoffs. Well, if you remember, ESPN's Chris Mortensen had a report a while back saying the Browns want quote an adult at quarterback. Yeah, and yeah, and their solution to that was to bring in a guy who's got. <laughs> Dozens of sexual harassment lawsuit, right. sexual assault, sexual harassment lawsuits hang over his head. Yeah. Real adult. Yeah. Just in case you missed it, Flying Pig Marathon in Cincinnati is facing backlash after a six-year-old ran the full 26.2-mile race with his parents. He did it in just about eight and a half hours. Uh, the organizers of the marathon knew he was participating as part of a family of eight that were all registered together. Despite a rule of a minimum age of 18 to run, the marathon director, Iris Simpson Bush, said the age requirement will be strictly observed moving forward. Should the organizers or the parents be blamed? Or uh, should people just mind their own business if this six-year-old wants to run 26.2 miles? It's no skin off my nose. It's hard to believe a six-year-old would say, hey, I'm up for running 26 miles. I can see them up for saying, I want to play my Xbox, but not that I'm... And did, did, did this kid train? He was running with his parents, so maybe he did some warm-up runs with his parents as well leading up to it. But I would say that there's no reason the organization should face backlash. Yeah, the organization shouldn't. Did the kids seem happy? The story that I read did not not address his emotions. Okay, I mean... Probably seemed tired. Tired, but if the the kid's up for it, what's the problem here? Fair point. All right. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. Argonaut voted by Westward the best liquor store in downtown Denver, and I've spent a lot of time shopping there, specifically when I lived in the city. But sometimes when I'm in the city, you know what I like to do? I like to pick up something from there and just take it home. They're a family-owned business. So many generations, they do they, they do great work there. Uh, Their staff is super friendly. They always have great specials, and they deliver all over the metro Denver area. And if your delivery is over 100 bucks, they will do it for free. Go to ArgonautLiquor.com or find them off of Colfax. Nigel and Danny, great job today as always. Mace, I'm not going to call you by your middle name. Thank you. You're welcome. See you tomorrow. T-Bone.